turn with me, we're going to be in Haggai today, all right? So we're going to start a series, and we're going to be talking about under new management. What that is is this. When you go to work with somebody, or has any of you, have any of you ever started a new job or had your company that you worked with transition to somebody else? All right. When you've had your company transition to somebody else, you had to go through a management change, did you not? In other words, the way things used to be are not the way things are today. Is that right? And it changes overnight. Now, I want you to think about that. We think about that all the time in our physical life because sometimes our company's been bought by other companies or we've made a job change and gone from one atmosphere to another atmosphere. We've always done that in our adult life. Very few people have worked for the same job, for the same company, with the same ownership their entire lifetime. But we don't think about it spiritually because we think when we give our life to Christ, (laughs) there's really no management change. But Scripture says that it's under new management. Everything has changed. Everything has been transformed. In fact, Paul says this to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, and then in verse 20. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as through, as through God, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So we're under new management. Everything that is old has is gone away, and then everything is transformed and made new. So everything, every aspect of our life needs to be reevaluated. Now, think, I know that some of you have been a Christian for a long time, but I would dare say that no matter how long we've been a believer or follower of Christ, there are areas of our life that we declare like Area 51, it's off limits, and anybody that tries to get there, we're going to shoot them if they try to come in, right? There are things where nobody's allowed to ask us questions about. We don't let anybody in. It's maybe like that closet that's in your house where all your junk is stuffed in, right? Don't open that door. You never know. I don't even know what's behind there, all right? Stuff's been buried in there for so long, I don't even know how. All right, we're moving. So we're transforming, transitioning from one house to the next house. And we know what? We just moved a few years ago, and there's boxes down in our basement. Guess what? Never been opened from the last time that we were here. We're like, what's in this box? We're having to read on top of it to see what's there. We've got stuff stored in an area, an off-limits place that nobody even goes to, and we don't even know what's in there. How can something be useful if we haven't even touched it in over two or two and a half years, right? This is the third time we're going to move some of this stuff, and then the box is that old. We've got, you got this in your house, right? I'm not the only one, right? please tell me that I'm not, I'm not the only one. There's some, there, there's some box that you've got and you're going, I don't even know what's in the bottom of this thing. I, I couldn't tell you what's here. If it hasn't been used in that long, how useful can it be, right? This is what we do. We take stuff, we tuck it away, and we think it's off limits, and we keep it separated. So guess what we're going to do over the next few weeks? We're going to look at all of these different areas. We're going to look at how we manage our assets. We're going to look at how we manage our time. We're going to look at all the different areas of our life that we kind of cordon off to ourselves and see what God says through his word about how we should deal with that. 
So the first thing that we're going to do before we get into all this is we're going to look at an Old Testament book that tells us how we should consider all this. Because there is a proper order to which things should be considered. And by the way, you are not first. You are last. And so when we think about all the things of our lives, like our time, are you, t- are you first with your time? It's your time, right? Are you first with your body? It's your body, right? Are you first with your stuff? It's your stuff, right? Are you first with your money? Because it's your money, right? You go out and earn it. Well, we need to consider our ways. Why? Because we have been bought and paid for with a price. The price that was paid was a life. A life that was given. Blood was shed. We talked about this the last couple of weeks. It is our testimony. It is who we are. There are three things that testify, right? The water, the blood, and the spirit. You are a new creation. You are a new creature. We do this in remembrance of who? Ourselves? No, we do this in remembrance of him. Christ laid down his life, paid it all for us. So why should we think that we have rights to certain areas of our lives that we can hold on to? Okay, so the Lord is speaking through an Old Testament prophet to his people. This is the state of the nation of Israel at the time. He's using a Haggai. He's called out. And, and he sent him into this nation to tell them what is going on. This is us. This is modern day. It's not just Old Testament, old school. It is us in our reality for us in this world today. Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, it says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while the house, this house lies desolate. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but you harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, and there is not enough to become drunk. You put on your clothes, but no one is warm enough. He who earns, earns wages to put into purses with holes. So the first thing that we need to understand when we consider our ways is that God is examining your methods. This is a sovereign evaluation. This is not an evaluation of peer-to-peer. It's not my job to evaluate you. I'm not to judge. I got my own stuff that I've got to deal with. I've got boxes in my basement that hadn't been opened in years. I've got places in my life that I need to examine myself. So I need to consider my way. So understand this. When I share this with you, this is coming from God. It's coming through a prophet in the Old Testament to the nation of Israel. Today for you, it's coming through a preacher in this time. For such a time as this, God has called me out of this world to preach the gospel, to share the good news with those who are around me. That's my job. That's what he's called me to do. So when we do what we're supposed to do, I'm just sharing with you what God has already said. So when I ask you to consider your ways, don't go, who is he to be telling me what to do? He's got his own problems. He can't back off the M&Ms. Them shirts he wears just keeps growing more and more. He's he's got a tablecloth on this morning. Tomorrow took that thing off their table and sewed buttons on it, and that's what he's wearing. 
Look, I got my own stuff I'm dealing with. I understand that. So this is not a peer-to-peer evaluation. I'm not telling you how to deal with your money and your time. This is God telling you. And he says it to the entire nation. He's speaking to us as a whole. So I'm speaking to the entire congregation. So we have to look at every area and aspect of our life. So what does he say start with, okay? He says start with the methods by which we do things. He says consider your ways. You've sown much but harvested little. We spend a lot of time doing a lot of things. We sow words. We sow actions. We sow our time in giving to a job so that we can earn a paycheck, so that we can do the next thing that we need to do. So we sow a lot of stuff. But what he's saying here is that we harvest very little. How many of you are tired all the time? There's a pill for that. You can probably take that and it'll make you feel better, right? Look. We sow and sow and sow. When you sow something, what are you doing? Come on, talk to me. When you're sowing something, you're what? You're giving it away, aren't you? It's something that you've been given, and you're giving it away. So the first thing he says for us to consider is what we've been given that we are in turn what? Given to sow. So when you're sowing something else, it's something that you have been given, you have been blessed with, and you are in turn sharing that in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So when we, I've always been told this, okay? This is one of the things that always stuck with me. I watch the clock here. Do y'all realize that we get out on time? Have y'all ever noticed that? This, we don't go to 12.30. We don't go to 1 o'clock. I, I got more I can say, all right? But I've always been told to watch the time. You know why? Because when I go over five minutes, that's five minutes of your time. That's five minutes of your time. That's five minutes of your time. How many people in this room? 60, 70 people? 70 times five is what? We're talking hours of time. Hours and hours. Now think about this in your life. How many of you show up on time? How many of you are constantly late? There are people, there are people who are not here this morning who will rename that nameless Vic that are, are, are constantly challenged by their time. And Vic will be the first one to tell you. I've been working on Vic. Vic is showing up to a breakfast on Wednesday morning on what? On time. And why is that? Because we're talking about these things. Do you, are you getting it? I'm not, I don't go, Vic, you, you know, we're worried about this, buddy. I'm just saying, look, this is how light, we're talking about these things. And he is doing it himself. Consider your ways. When you are sowing things, whatever that may be, you may be a very generous person. You may be very fi- financially generous for all I know. But where are you giving that to? Are we actually enabling people with the gifts and the money that we give? You see, generosity in and of itself is not always necessarily the right thing. Are we propping somebody up so that they don't grow up? 
Are we trying to keep somebody up because they're trying to live a lifestyle that they shouldn't be living themselves? Consider your ways. Think about what you've sown. Think about where it's being sown. The other thing he says this. He says, you what? You eat and you're not satisfied. Oh, he might as well insert Tim Hunter's name here. My mama used to tell me that. My mama has always told me that. If there's any words that have ever ringed, my mom's gone 10 years in October. But any words that my mom has always, this is what rings true. Tim Hunter, you are never, ever satisfied. You are never satisfied. My appetite is big. And the more I get, the more I what? And the Lord says, this is not right. Tamara talks to me about this word all the time. Contentment. Contentment. If I have to hear that word one more time, I think I'm just going to lose it. You've got to learn to be content with what you have. But what I have is old. I want a new one. Right? This is us, right? I want to tell you about one of my children. Well, actually, this is all of my children. This is, but I'm going to tell you about me. All right? But I had, I had a 56 Chevrolet when I turned 16 years of age. My dad had worked a job in a 56 Chevrolet that had been redone. So I had, I had, an, I had a car. I only got 10 miles to the gallon. I'm an only child, right? Uh, so this is part of my problem. <laughs> all right, I'm just confessing here with you. We're, this, is, you know, this is therapy, all right, for me, all right? So I had a car. I could have very easily gone to school. This is going to cost a lot of gas money to go back and forth, right? So my mom and dad went out and bought me another car. I was 16 years old. I had two cars. <laughs> By the time I had graduated high school, I had traded one of those cars for another car. So I went to college, and the first two years in college, I had that car. Then, midway through college, I got a, another car. So by the time I graduated college and met this fine lady right here, I was on my fourth car. My oldest daughter has a car that she has had for now almost, what we were talking about yesterday, like eight or nine years she's had. Still her same original car that she got when she... Uh, was blessed with that as a gift and she still has it I saw it the other day it looks like a bomb went off in it but it still has four wheels and it drives and she still got it she has never bought another new one so I was talking to Tamara the other night and I said you know what I was over there the other day and her car looks like a bomb went off in it and I was like this she goes you know what she's saving up money She's got $10,000 already saved. When she gets to 12 or 13, she's going to take that, trade that in, and get her a new one. And I'm thinking, man, that would have been a great lesson for me. Because I had car payments out the, you know where, all the time. Over and over and over and over. Because why? Because my appetite was new and shiny. This car is two years old. I need another one. It doesn't have that smell anymore. Thank the Lord they started putting those little you know, Christmas trees out with that, that scent on it, right? New car smell. That bought me another year with them. 
till I could at least get them paid off. I was never satisfied. I was constantly eating. He says this, there's not enough, he says, you drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. So my appetite was big, but then I always turned around and said this, I just need a little more. Right? Don't we all say that? I just have, you're going through the line and they're putting food on your plate. Do you ever stop them and go, can I have just a little more mashed potatoes, please? How about a little more gravy? Can I get some on the side? Can I have a little, can I have an extra piece of bread? Can you give me something, just a little bit more? How about, how about you do this at home? You go, man, it's not that we spend too much. We just don't make enough. I'm not overweight. I'm just short for my weight. The Lord, I'm waiting for my last growth spurt. If I was 6'1", I'd be perfect. Do, do we do that? We just need a little more, right? Just a little more. So it's not that our appetite was too big. We just don't have enough. Do you see what the Lord's saying to his people right here? First of all, he said, my house is in shambles. And you go to your paneled houses. And now you've gotten all of this. I've given you time. I've given you what you needed. I've given you what you needed when you needed it. But then he'd say, this is just like a parent getting ready to cut him off, right? He's going to say this, no more. You cannot continue to operate this way. We have to consider our ways. The sovereign Lord is evaluating our lives. 1 Corinthians 4.4 4 says this, I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I'm not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Paul is saying, you know what? I don't know if there's anything wrong with my life. Wow. But I'm not the one that, that's setting the standard. So we can sit here this morning and you can say, Brother Tim, I'm really good at every single solitary bit of this. This message is not for me. I'm glad that you are preaching it for yourself and you feel better when you go home. But this was not for me. I'm telling you, you're not allowed to make that evaluation. Paul, who said, the Apostle Paul, that's, that's, you know, spiritual-wise, that'd be giant. We'd be small. But he says, I'm going to look at my life right here, and I really don't know that there's anything wrong with my life. But I'm not the one to evaluate myself. The Lord is. Do you remember that rich young ruler that came up to Jesus? And the Lord said to him, told him what, what, what truth was. He said, he said, go and keep my commandments. And the rich young ruler said, I do that. Then he said what? Go sell all of your possessions and give it to the poor. And he said, hmm, ain't doing that. And he walked away. He kept all the laws, but he was also keeping what he wanted to keep for himself, right? Now, we can talk monetarily all we want, but this is not a money message. This is a lifestyle message. This is not a money passage. 
This is a lifestyle passage. When we look at how we need to consider our ways and we look at ourselves under new management, we need to consider every aspect of our life. Some of you overcommit. You treat like you have... There's 35 hours in the day for you. Everybody else operates on 24. Do you do this? We got a member of our family that shall remain nameless. But my, my son-in-law, <laughs> bless his heart, he thinks that he can make it from his house in Madison County to here in about 15 minutes. And that's how his time schedule goes, bless his heart. So he'll tell you, I'm gonna, I'll see you guys at 10 o'clock, and you're going, man, there ain't no way if you drive like 90 miles an hour, you can get here by 10 o'clock. He, he's not thinking in the concept of time. And so we've got to all think these ways. We have to process every single bit of this in our lives. We have to look at every aspect of it. Why? Not because I'm judging you on it, but because we're being looked at by God. And God sees it. All right, let's get on to the second part of what he says here. So he says this in in verses 7 through 10. He says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Didn't he just say that? He just said that, right? So now he's saying it to him again. Think about it. When stuff is repeated in Scripture, it's even more important. So he, in just a few verses, he said this twice. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. So God's stuff is first. God's stuff is first. When you sit down in life and you manage your time, does church stuff come first? When you sit down in your life and manage your finances that you've been blessed with, does God's stuff come first? When you sit down and consider the job that you've been given by God, does God's stuff come first? Meaning, do you share your faith where you work? Do you live your life as a follower and believer of Christ at your work? Or do you Monday through Friday live like you want to? Or maybe even Saturday, but we won't talk about that right now. Do what you want to and then show up on Sunday morning? Is God first in all of that? He says, my house is a mess. You live in your nice house. Now you need to consider your ways and go and take care of my house first. He says, you look for much. But behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I'll blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house which lies desolate. While each of you runs to his own house, therefore because of you, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. So let's look at this for a second. I'll go ahead and give you the outline. It says, consider your ways. God knows your motives. This is where we need to have some self-evaluation. What areas and aspects of your life are you working real hard at and it's coming to nothing? What are your motives behind that? God's looking at our methods and he's evaluating those, but he also looks at our heart. And if our heart's out of kilter with that, 
then our motives are wrong. If our motives are wrong, it's going to end badly. He says this, you look for much, but behold, it comes to little. Man, we in the church preach the health and wealth gospel. We tell you that if you give more of something to the church, and generally to the pastor of that church, but if you give more, you're going to what? Get more. We tell you that if you give more money, you're going to get more money. We tell you that if you give of your time, and your, you're going to be healthier. You're going to be wealthier. God is going to just bless you that way. I'm going to say this. That can happen. But it's got to be run through that filter right there. So I don't care what size check you write. You cannot give to the Lord and have all of your mess covered. God is not going to bless your mess. You can come and show up here on Sunday and Wednesday and live the rest of the week and be a total train wreck. God is not going to bless that mess because you are a Sunday school teacher, you're a deacon, you're this, you work with the kids, you give of your time on Sunday morning to, to work back while everybody else is worshiping. And this is what we do, don't we? When we, get, when we get it with God and it starts getting hot and heavy with us, we go, but God, I write a check every week, but Lord, I serve in your church this way, but Lord, I don't ever miss a Sunday, but Lord, I do this and I do that. And we start calling out our role of the things that we have done or that we do or our responsibilities. And he says, it amounts to little. And the little that you have, I blow it away. So God's blessed us with a job. We're not faithful with our assets once we get that. Whether it be time, talent, or treasures. We don't show up to church we live near a lake. I'm going to use this example. Not to say that if you have one of these, you're a bad person. But you buy a boat. We live near a lake. You've been blessed with a great job. You make a lot of money. Well, now that you got the boat, you go, I got to go use the boat, honey. But I work Monday through Friday. So the only time for me to be able to use the boat is when? On Saturday or Sunday. If they would just move church to another day, it would all be good. But I bought a boat. I got to use the boat. That's being responsible with the asset that I've taken, right? And see, this is what we do. And we do that with all of our lives. God says, take care of my house first. He also says that your body is a temple. And it's, it is the house of the Holy Spirit. I just keep eating M&Ms and thinking, Lord's going to make those healthy when they go down. That's somehow or another going to be, that's going to be not fat and sugar. I'm not going to kill any portion of my body by doing this. He's going to turn that into the nutrients and sustenance that I need. Give me more M&Ms. It doesn't work. He doesn't magically turn that M&M into something that, of sustenance for me. When it hits my tongue, 
if I'm shoving it in and it's wrong and it's not healthy for me, I need to realize it. If I'm watching stuff on TV, doing things in my life that are unhealthy, I can't think that God's going to say, hey, that's okay. You're a preacher, Tim. It'll all be all right. So, as we evaluate all this, stop and look at your life. Why don't you take some inventory today? An inventory of you. Not an inventory of those who are around you, because I'm sure you're probably like me. I know everybody else's problems, right? I, I can tell you what you're doing that's wrong with you. No, we need to have some self-reflection, some getaway time with ourselves and the Lord. Let Him show us. Let Him speak to us. And then we got to move. Scripture says, if I draw near to the Lord, the Lord will draw near to me. It doesn't go the other way. It doesn't say, the, why does it not say that? You know why? Because it says God is with you everywhere you go. He never left. You're walking away from Him. So you've got to draw yourself back to Him. And then He will draw Himself to you. If we don't, we have separation here. He loves you. He wants and desires the best for you and for me. But we can't go these directions and think that he's just okay with it. Psalm 26.2 says, Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test me, test my mind, and test my heart. How many of you are done with school? I've graduated. I really don't want any more tests. Sorry. Spiritually, you have not graduated. Until you leave this behind and you go there, you have not graduated. So you're still under the test. The test of your mind and the test of your heart. Galatians 3, 4, and 5 says this, But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have a reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, not in regard to another, for each one will bear his own load. So even when I evaluate myself, and I think that I've done good, my only evaluation to be able to evaluate myself against is me. It's okay for you to feel okay about an area of your life. It's okay if you go home this afternoon and you feel like with the amount of time that you give, you give it to the Lord or any other area when we go through all of them. That's okay. That's a positive. You don't have to feel bad about that. But you're only evaluating against yourself. There's no husband in this room that has ever said this to his wife. Well, you think I'm bad. You should see such and such over here and how he treats his wife. You think I'm a bad dad. You should see such and such and see how he treats his kids. Not going to happen. Can't happen. There's no evaluation against that. 
We're not allowed to evaluate ourselves against somebody else. We do it all the time. Why? Because it makes us feel better about ourselves. So if we truly want to get to where God wants us to get, we've got to take all this stuff into consideration in our lives. So as we look at this, we've got to see who's really managing this portion of, of how we live. Am I managing it? I'm telling you, if I'm managing it, it's messed up. That's just me speaking. You may be doing all right with it, but for me, if I'm managing it, it's pretty messed up. So we need to go home today and think about these things. Come back next week. Don't go, I can't go to church for the next six weeks because Pastor Tim's going to be talking about specific stuff. I may be okay. I'll watch them online, all right? And, and if, they, if they apply to me, I'm okay, and we'll, we'll deal with it. But I can't sit there in front of him when he's talking about this, 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 or this. And I don't know what he's doing first. I'm not giving you an order. It's going to be random. But I do hope you come back. Why? Because when we evaluate our lives, it's always good. Tamar says, we need a budget, Tim. I went, no, we don't need no budget. We make more than we spend. We win. But it's not how it works. So eventually, I'm sitting here going, this is how much we spend. This is how much we should have left over. She says, well, then how come our bank account's only going up by this much? <laughs> and I go, I guess I had too much lunch that week at the restaurant. But when we evaluate that and I realize, oh, my Lord, I'm spending 150 bucks a week eating out for lunch. Maybe that's an area we can look at. A bologna sandwich is good. My wife's shaking her head. Yes, it is. Monday through Friday, buddy. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the grace of today and for the fact that even though some of us may have packed a room or an area of our life full of our stuff and we haven't evaluated it, looked at it in years, that as we go through this scripture right here, Father, that you will reveal yourself to us. And we will realize why everything that we had in that has been blown away. Or why we don't have any time. Or why we don't have any energy. And why we don't have this or don't have that. And give that and put that back in the proper order so that you can be first. And when you are first and we are last, we will have everything that we need. And when we have everything that we need, there will be peace. There'll be hope, there'll be faith, and there'll be love in our lives. Father, put us in the right order as we consider our ways. Give us strength for the day. Help us to be a blessing to those who are around us. And Father, may we live for you. As we stand together and as we sing, Father, if, you, if, you, if someone needs to come to the front here and just kneel down and spend some time with you, I pray that they will take that. And as they have this opportunity, I pray that we will all do what we can to get ourselves into the right relationship with you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's stand together and sing.